a bearded car cast first, a preamble. We taped the show on uh, Tuesday. Today is Wednesday as we tape. And, of course, the last 24 hours have been bonkers in the sports world. Not bonkers frisky. Our dogs, our, uh, <laughs> our adult names, if you will. Uh, but this is the Bearded Car Cast with Dave Freeman. I am Mike Pacheco. What a crazy 24 hours, Dave. When we were doing this 24 hours ago, Josh McDaniels was on his way, or we thought he was on his way to Indianapolis, and you now know, he's out. Christoph Porzingis is out for the year, and Josh McDaniels is staying. I could care less. There is a great news for humanity today. Paul Pascaloni, (laughs) the longtime Syracuse football (laughs) coach, who was the linebackers coach at Boston College, has been hired as the defensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. A lifelong football guy, a guy with a brilliant resume, not a great media guy, not a fantastic talker, not a really out there sort of guy, just a really, really good X's and O's football guy back in a prominent role, and I am all in on Matthew Stafford and Jim Bob Cooter and Paul Pascaloni. You said on a podcast weeks ago, if you could hire any coach, you would take a guy in the tribe, one of Belichick's assistant coaches, and Matt, Patricia, and I, we we are seeing the world similarly right now. (laughs) Coach P hired Matt Patricia 25 years ago on his staff at Syracuse, and it all comes full circle. Clearly, a respect between the two of those, and I can't wait for the Lions to kick off the season. You get a piece of the action. Are you on? Uh, you on his agency team? Are you? Are you? Are you like his agent? Like what's? My wife has bought me gear from essentially every team P has ever worked for. For a long time, yeah. that was just Syracuse Orange. But then right. he became the head coach at UConn, and since then, I think he's spent time with. The Cowboys, remember, Jason Witten hadn't been a pro bowler until Coach P was the tight ends coach with the Cowboys. Then he was the defensive coordinator with the Dolphins, and he's been on the staff at Boston College. We should have me get you some gear. I think he was with the the Houston Texans for a while, but now forget about all of those teams. We're locked on the Lions. You're laser-focused. Laser-focused on the Lions. But it goes back to what you were talking about, the Belichick assistant coaches so Patricia goes to the Lions and what happened with Josh McDaniels I mean there's so much speculation obviously we don't know how far along Andrew Luck is is that a you know is that part of the plan is it as simple as he is in the succession plan now for Bill Belichick. I mean, a lot of people think that there was nothing in writing. I read the the Peter King article yeah, uh, so did I. overnight, and you know, it didn't. It wasn't really enlightening in the sense that it didn't really shed anything more than what people had already been kind of guessing. You and I talked on the phone last night at six or seven o'clock, and we kind of thought there had to be a wink, wink, nod, nod. Right, and you right. said maybe you know they talked him out of it in New England. And I said this wasn't a Bob Kraft or a Bill Belichick decision. This was a Josh McDaniels decision. But if you read that Peter King article, there was a discussion. And maybe they raised red flags about Luck or Jim Ursay or whatever it was. But it's interesting. Before you make a major decision, you talk to your previous employer. Like, you're talking to Patriots people about leaving the Patriots. Why even have that discussion if you don't have lingering doubts? And he is also in a situation where he went in to clean out his office and essentially didn't about face in 12 hours. Yeah, it's kind of a bizarre situation. And a couple of the assistants that he was going to hire right. already have been hired. So now you're in a situation where you're the Colts, you're going to hire a head coach, but you already have assistants on staff. Who knows if the new head coach wants those people? But they're going to honor those contracts, apparently. Pretty weird, though. Yeah, I mean, very you, you're now out there to get a head coaching job. I think Frank Reich was one of the names that we heard today, and you don't get to hire your own people? Uh, That looks like a dumpster fire. That's crazy. And then then the Knicks, Chris Aprosingas, tears his ACL last night. Uh, So that's... uh, I mean, it's irrelevant in the big scheme of things because the Knicks aren't going anywhere. But, man, they're dropping like flies in the NBA. Yeah, big time. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit uh, coming up here uh, throughout the Bearded Carcast about what is next after football. And for Knicks fans, there's not much after football. Yeah, after there's that. the draft. There's the draft. That's it.
Yeah, and, and getting ready for free agency and all that sort of thing. But as we talk about in this episode, it's tough to get into some of these sports right now. It's college basketball and maybe the Olympics, but the the NBA season is just so long. And don't we kind of already know the one or maybe two or three teams that are going to compete for the championship? But let's face it, I think the NBA regular season might mean less than most of the pro sports, just yeah, because I completely agree. People just they just check in during the playoffs. Exactly, and you could make that argument about baseball, but because there are fewer playoff teams, right, it's harder to get in. Right, half the NBA teams make the playoffs. If you are anywhere close to good or average, you're going to get in, and it's not real likely in the NBA that a seven or eight seed is going to win it all. Whereas a wild card team in baseball can win the championship. Now, you have some big news because you're going to be flying out west. You have a couple of uh, WCC games, so people want to check that out. Yeah, they can watch tomorrow. We've got uh, Loyola Marymount and 11th ranked St. Mary's. Jock Landale this week was uh, recognized as a Wooden Award top 20 finalist. The center for St. Mary's is one of three players in the country, averaging 20 points and 10 rebounds a game. And people would be familiar with Loyola Marymount, not just because of Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball and their run in the 90s. Paul Westhead. Paul Westhead, right, with the guru ago and that up-tempo offense. But their coach right now is Mike Dunlop, who yeah. is here in Charlotte with the Bobcats. So Briefly. Yeah, very briefly. <laughs> so kind of a lot going on. And then Saturday I'm doing a Pacific and Portland, and that's Terry Porter coaching yeah. Portland and Damon Stoudemire coaching Pacific. So it will be an exciting trip out west while you handle High Point and Winthrop, which could be a really good game on Saturday. I think that's going to be a very big game. And, you know, every game down the stretch for Winthrop, right now they're tied for second place with Radford. And we're taping this before Winthrop plays Presbyterian, which is a team you would think Winthrop should handle pretty well, but PC gave them a good game first half last time. Then Winthrop had that big uh, big run in the second half to pull out and win that game. So now what we're going to do is we're going to let you start from the beginning because this is how we started off yesterday. We're off to Rock Hill today. We're not on the road. We're in studio in the palatial Winthrop Coliseum. It's great to be in Rock Hill, and the concept of what we're doing is so simple. Mike and I broadcast Winthrop basketball games. We have a great time when we go on the road. We go to fun restaurants and eclectic historical places along the road, but Winthrop doesn't play a road game until Saturday, and there's too much to talk about between now and then, so we said, let's get in studio. Let's let's go check out historic Broadensville on the way, <laughs> and uh, let's talk. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Terrific Super Bowl. Some people have said, have put the best ever moniker on this Super Bowl. I still think it's last year, just because of the Because the Patriots the won, you think Patriots it's last won. year. <laughs> uh, but don't get me wrong, this was, this was a really good Super Bowl. Unfortunately, the Patriots defense decided not to show up. And, of course, Malcolm Butler was not part of the game plan. And that, that obviously will be something people will talk about for years. Apparently a combination of issues that uh, led to his not being on the field. I don't know that he would have made a difference because they couldn't stop anybody on third down. Well, I mean, you would like to think that he would have helped on third down and getting off the field on third and fourth down is such a huge part of the game. And whether it's the greatest Super Bowl or the fifth greatest Super Bowl, from an entertainment value, if you were not cheering for either team, it was a very entertaining game. Somebody texted me in the third quarter and said something like, geez, the Eagles have been really good so far. And I said, yeah, the question will be, is Nick Foles going to make the one big bad play? We talked about it last week on the podcast. I said if Nick Foles was okay or if he was good – Who wins the game? He never made the big mistake. Now, as it turns out, he was really, really good. But simply by avoiding that big negative play, the Eagles were in the game. So the big matchup that we thought going into last week, you mentioned last week's uh, episode 9. This is episode 10 of the Bearded Carcast. Of course, you can join us, hashtag Bearded Carcast, or email beardedcarcast at outlook.com. The big matchup we thought, Dave, was going to be the Eagles' defense against the Patriots' offense, but it turned out to be the other way around. It was the Eagles' offense that really had the better of the Patriots' defense. There was defense played in the game? 
Well, there was one big defensive play made at the end of the game, the strip sack of Brady. That, yep. That, that, now, who knows whether they would have uh, been able to come back if or not that play, although there was still plenty of time left. But the fact that on third down, the Patriots just could not get off the field. And, and you have to credit the fourth Eagles. Fourth down, too? And fourth down, I too. Think, I think the Eagles were three for three on fourth How down. How about the stones of Doug Peterson in that game? But you kind of knew that was coming if you had watched them play all year long. i got to tell you, though, playing Monday morning quarterback – Everyone praising Doug Peterson totally deserved. I thought he made one huge mistake that could have cost them the game. There's 2.03 to go. The Patriots have two timeouts left. No, one timeout left. You're bordering up to the two-minute warning, and Philadelphia has an opportunity with a first down to win the game. Of course, they end up kicking the field goal, giving the Patriots the ball back, but then they try that reverse. It doesn't work. If you want to win the Super Bowl, you know you hit the two-minute warning at the end of that play. You have to throw the ball there, see if you get the first down to win it. They end up running the ball twice, and they end up kicking the field goal. Patriots get the ball back with a minute to go. If the Patriots end up winning that game, Doug Peterson, who was so out there, so aggressive the whole game, got conservative in that one spot. No one's talked about that because Philadelphia won and it worked out. But 2.03 to go in the game. Patriots one timeout left, bordering up to the two-minute warning. That has to be a throw. That has to be a big-time play right there, too. They didn't make the play. They, as you said, they run it, and then Patriots on the other side couldn't couldn't. Well, get they get the, the stop. The Patriots then get no, but the I mean, but offensively stop. they couldn't do anything. Well, they the tried ball. that reverse, which yeah. I actually thought was a good idea because th- there's a minute to go in the game and you need to go the length of the field and you try a gadget play. Philadelphia, all the credit in the world, they were composed the whole way. And Tom Brady's not a great pass catcher. <laughs> He's not, well, that, he should have caught that. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But I, I love the gamesmanship though within the game because then we're on, we're on the Eagles are on the goal line and then they run their kind of wildcat yep. to Nick Foles. And what's interesting about that, Dave, and this is this will fuel the conspiracy theorists out there. Part of the reason why that play worked is because the Patriots had not seen that. Eagles right. had not run any kind of variation of that all year long, and so they were kind of That's caught flat-footed. That's what great coaches do. Yeah. They've got plays up their sleeve. We've seen Belichick do it for years. But the question now is, whether it's the Patriots or the Eagles or anyone else in the NFL, are you now okay? The Super Bowl is over. I enjoyed it. It was a good season, or maybe in the case of a Patriots fan like you, it was a disappointing end to the season. Are you now all in on Patriots offseason, or are you refocusing your attention on something else? Well, I think the, the bigger question is what is next after that? Because, yes, I think there is that element of paying attention to what's going on free agency-wise. And the Patriots There's have, a ton going but on. But the Patriots have so many questions. You know, two coordinators now they have to replace. Uh, is Gronkowski going to retire? I mean, that's huge. Uh, at, what, 28 years I mean, old, I contemplating retirement. Still on the table is the Seth Wickersham stuff. There could be shake-up with right? Brady or Belichick. I, I I would tend to doubt it. I think they'll probably – the music's kind of stopped for Belichick, though, as far as coaching jobs. I mean, the job that everybody was hot that he was going to go after was the Giants right, job. Right, now, and, he's and, not leaving for another job. But at some point, he or Brady or both of them are going to say – enough is enough. If they win, maybe it's more likely they retire, but at at some point, the bottom is going to fall out of Tom Brady. So, you have to at least think about, okay, I just went to the Super Bowl again, I had an unbelievable game, I threw for 500 yards, to go through this whole deal again, new coordinators, certainly there are things that need to be fixed, maybe it's going to be more difficult to go through again, I can go out, relatively speaking, on top right now. Do I think he's going to retire? No, I think he's incredibly competitive. But at some point, the bottom is going to fall out and he's going to stink. Now, we've said that for five years. Yeah. But between him and Belichick, both of them advanced age, both of them have accomplished everything, there at least has to be that discussion. Wouldn't that be a kick in the pants, though, if two weeks from now Brady just said, you know what, I changed my mind? Because you've, you've traded Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't your think future that's impossible. Is, so your future is... is uh, you know, is gone or pretend. Now you have to. Now you have to draft that guy. Who's that guy in the draft? Because they're going to draft a quarterback in this draft. It's just a question of where in the draft do they do they go? No offense to Brian Hoyer, but Brian Hoyer is not your your backup. Your your. How quarterback about Tom Brady leaves and you sign Kirk Cousins? Wow, I don't know. I think you know what. The Boston Massacre was what in like 1774. <laughs> I think there'd be another. Uh, but why? I don't know, that would not go over very well. Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo are 
there are reasons to like both of them, not necessarily one any more than the other. Both of them are making massive amounts of money. If you traded Garoppolo just like they did, you get more draft equity. Tom Brady retires and you sign Kirk Cousins. I don't think you're any worse off. I mean, you're worse off than having Tom Brady. You're not worse off than having Jimmy Garoppolo. He was phenomenal in four or five games with the 49ers. That's fantastic. Maybe he's the next great quarterback. But Kirk Cousins has been a top 12, top 15 quarterback for the last few years. Well, and the other question is, so now what happens with Nick Foles? Yeah. Does he end up? Because now, I mean, Philadelphia's well, in a good position. Well, it's such a weird spot for Philadelphia. Not because. Well, you don't want to get rid of him until you really know how Car- exactly. Carson Wentz is doing. Right. But if you think Carson Wentz is going to be fully healthy a few weeks into the year and Nick Foles actually has any value, you might be able to leverage the value now, trade him. But that being said, quarterbacks go down all the time in the NFL. So if he plays for you for two or three weeks, Carson Wentz comes back slowly, then Wentz is the starter, someone's going to go down and you can trade him midseason, just like the Patriots traded Garoppolo. And the Vikings have a lot of questions to answer. What do they do with their three quarterbacks as far as signing all those guys? I actually think that's the best spot for Cousins. He wants to win. They're the closest team that needs a quarterback right. to winning, though you could argue Jacksonville Bronco, too. Denver. I don't think Denver's as far along as those teams are. But they, they do need a quarterback. They, no doubt about that. I mean, But if you're Kirk Cousins, what a phenomenal spot to be in. You can pick where you want to go. There's a lot of demand, and there are several teams that are perhaps a quarterback away. Now, what if you're the New York York Giants, you're going to draft a quarterback, whether it be Rosen or Darnell, right. one or two, or, or maybe Josh Allen from Wyoming, or, or maybe Baker Mayfield, or whoever. You're going to draft a quarterback number two overall, and you've got Eli Manning. You can do what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith starting and Patrick Mahomes backing right. them up, but then a year later, the Chiefs were able to trade Alex Smith for for quite a bit, whereas I think, correct me if I'm wrong on this, I think it's the last year of Eli's contract, and that means if you've got Eli on your team and you decide to start someone else for a year, you're not in the Kansas City situation where you're going to go to the playoffs and be really good. Would there be more value in moving Eli Manning now and just going from the get-go with that young quarterback? And, you know, Dave Gettleman, the new general manager of the Giants, is not going to be afraid to make a difficult decision necessarily on cutting loose Eli Manning. I like Dave Gettleman because he makes hard decisions and he makes difficult decisions and he always has the future in mind and he's very cognizant of the salary cap. I just don't know that Eli Manning fits on that team long term. If he doesn't fit on that team long term, what good is he doing them short term when it doesn't appear they have a team that can win the Super Bowl? Yeah, he signed a four-year, $84 million contract, uh, and I believe uh, it's over after 2018. Yeah, I think his contract ends after next year, which makes him kind of an expensive proposition if you're not going to win with him now. I mean, what the Redskins traded for Alex Smith, I don't know. I, I guess Alex Smith was better in one year, last year, right. than Eli Manning. But it seems to me you can get a draft pick for Eli Manning. And what does the Alex Smith trade do for the trade market? Because remember, not only did they get draft picks, but they also got, from the Redskins, a very good young cornerback. Right. And, and I, I don't know. I think every situation you have to take by its self. And the fact that there are all these quarterbacks in the draft that people think could be really good might make the market a little bit softer for the established guys. All right. So when we come back here on the Bearded Car Cast, I'm going to fully answer Dave's question. What comes next after the Super Bowl? Also, I saw this today and I thought it was very interesting. Maybe we should get into this, that uh, during the final four, they're going to have a three-on-three basketball tournament. Are you going to watch that? Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. Dave, you asked a very good question. You always ask good questions, so I shouldn't be surprised that you asked a very good question. I believe you're the true professional. <laughs> so what is next after the Super Bowl? Obviously, for you and I professionally, we're going to spend well, – we've already been spending a lot of time with college basketball. So it's, for us, it's obviously following what's going to happen in all the different how good Trey Young is going to be with someone every single day. Every night I go home and I watch Oklahoma play and – 
I debate with someone about Trey Young. Today's debate was, what position is Trey Young? Because he doesn't make his teammates better, and he right. doesn't pass that well, even though he's one of the nation's leaders yeah. in assists. He has the ball in his hands all the time. But is he a point guard? Is he an off guard? Is he Steph Curry? Or is he Buddy Heald? So right. I spend a lot of time thinking about college basketball year-round. But that being said, there's this huge gap Everyone watches the NFL. Everyone follows the NFL. Is the most important sport in the NFL offseason NFL draft and NFL free agency? Or is it now that we've gotten to February college basketball? Or is there something else you're really excited about? I think the Olympics start like Thursday or Friday, right? You care? I don't. Not at all. I'm, I am less interested in this Olympics than any previous Olympics. And I don't know why. I, I don't know if it's just I, – I, I can't put a finger on it. It – Maybe because the hockey, like hockey, used to be the the thing that I used to really like to watch in the Winter Olympics, and now you know you don't have the best players playing in the in the in the Olympics. So I think that's maybe a storyline. I don't know. I, I, to me, this is the most lackluster I have felt going into a Winter Olympics. Now let me ask you this: Once it starts and it's on the television and you're reading about it on the internet, will you get more into it, or you just think it's a non-event? No, I will. I will pay more attention to it once it is here. But it won't be appointment television. Like in other words, I'm not going to say, "Oh, Team USA is playing Thursday. It's going to be eight o'clock on NBC. I'm going to make sure I'm home watching that. I, I won't DVR it." Now I will. I'll follow if it's along on, on Twitter. At the same time as last night, Louisville and Syracuse played basketball at seven o'clock. You get a good, not a great college basketball right. game, or your Olympics prime time. Which are you watching? I would probably flip back and forth, but it would it, the Olympics would probably be. If it was compelling and good, I would stick with it. But if it was a snoozer, I'd, I'd go back. What I love about the Olympics, whether you know the people or not, it's the best in the world, and it's self-contained. It's not in a 162-game baseball season. You can watch the entire figure skating final right. now, in I, I one do night. To, I do have to add one thing. I will watch curling. I love curling. I, will watch, I have gotten into curling. I, w- I would watch curling. I'll watch, uh, I'll watch ice hockey. Uh, I'm not really into the speed skating. Uh, that doesn't really. But whatever it is, whether it's the luge or the downhill skiing eh. or the ice dancing or it's hockey, it's self-contained. Hockey's more of a tournament. That's not a great example. Right. Same with curling. But if you turn on the TV and it's the four-man bobsled, like they're probably not showing the prelims. Right. You can watch for an hour. They can tell you a couple of stories about the people, and you can see not the whole event, but really the important parts of it. But do you feel like there hasn't been as much buzz about the Olympics in, in a buildup as we've seen in years past? Yeah, I, I haven't heard much, and part of it's the time zone, and part of it is there aren't a lot of marquee U.S. athletes in it. Part of it, it's the winter and not the summer games. But I, I still think there's something to the best in the world who have been going at it for four years in events that, yeah, maybe they're not something that you and I participate in, so we don't have that kind of comfort level and understanding of it. But when it actually comes around and there's the downhill skiing, I think I'll watch it. I'm not feeling it this year. And I don't know if it's. I mean, I don't think it. I don't think there's like a political reason for it. I mean, I know it, that that actually should add to the the storyline that there's tensions between North Korea and South Korea. Although they're they're actually going to compete under one flag, and I think the women's hockey team is going to have uh, players from from both countries. Uh, just I think to your point though, Dave, I think it's more about. And I don't know if this is Team USA's fault or maybe it's just the the media. But there ha- there's, you don't really, there's been no buzz, no Well, the problem no is you can't name any athletes. There's yeah. Lindsey Vaughn. That, right. that, you, you don't know anyone else competing. Like, in the Summer Olympics, you knew you were going to have the star gymnasts, whoever right. those right. happened to be. And it, and it turns out we had one of the greats of all time in Simone Biles. And you knew you had Usain Bolt. And you knew you had Michael Phelps. You had these stars. If I say to you, who is the best skier, you don't have any idea who it is. Or who is the best curler, you don't have any idea who it is. So you have to give it a chance to get into it. And a lot of people just aren't going to take the time to check it out and see if they enjoy it or not. I mean, even in the Summer Olympics, you had Roger Federer in tennis. And you had Rory McIlroy in golf. You had all of these big stars. But even like the American, like Bodie Miller is probably still one of the biggest 
downhill skiing names. He's not competing anymore. He's going to be an analyst. Right. That's exactly it. You don't know yeah. any of the people. But if you watch the NBC coverage and you watch the vignettes or you read a story about it and you get a hook, then I think you're really into it. The bigger question is, did anybody from listening to the Bearded Carcast, did anybody going to the Winter Olympics ask you for B Airbnb tips? <laughs> I don't know anyone other than journalists going. Do you know someone that's, that's I going? Don't. No, I don't. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. It's very unrelatable. It's, it's 14 hours ahead of the, US, or of the East, East, East Coast time zone. It's 14 hours ahead of us. Right, and, and I've been to Korea, and it's wonderful, yeah. but because of the political No, you got to do it like John Sterling. I've been to Korea, <laughs> two shores, with Derek Jeter. I, it, it, it's, Seoul is phenomenal, yeah. and, and the people are wonderful, but it's a long way away. It's not really the time we're thinking about that, right? We're in the middle of basketball season, but the NFL season just ended. It's just... Yeah. I think either people are going to give it a chance and then really get into it, or a whole lot of people aren't going to give it a chance at all. And what about baseball? The baseball winter stove used to be really interesting. It used to be very, like... I thought the Jeff Passan story a week or two ago about how there's probably collusion going on and no free agents are signing, but no one's actually admitting to that, and it's very likely to lead to a work stoppage down the line was absolutely fascinating. The problem with the baseball offseason— But I was reading something today, um, and I forget which player it was. Nick Cafardo had it in the Boston Globe. Some players think that because of the, the this high luxury tax— players have kind of done this to themselves because owners it's not so much collusion it's just that owners they'll give big money to the stars but now the guys those mid-level guys that you need to have on your team that used to be making a ton of money those guys are getting squeezed yeah but again you look at the off season and the regular season in baseball takes so long it's hard for me to get really into spring training. Spring training just means, oh, another six weeks until we start this long, long So you weren't track. celebrating the Red Sox truck leaving for Fort Myers yesterday? No, I, I, but I'm not an exhibition sport guy, right. and that's, that's all of spring training. I just The baseball season, it's hard to get into the second week of the baseball season, the second month of the baseball season. Like, wake me up on August 1st. <laughs> like, it's hard to get into the off-season of a sport that takes a long time to get rolling. Now, you, you know, I'm a diehard baseball fan. I grew up loving baseball. My team stinks, but that's neither here nor there. But everything about baseball is slow. So it takes a lot to get going into the storylines of the year. Now, the trade deadline, that kind of is right as teams are positioning right. themselves for a stretch drive, a pennant race. I mean, And it's right, right before. I mean, football is starting to take off because training camp has just opened, but it's before the preseason exhibition game. So it comes at a time where there's really, if you have a good trade deadline, a lot of potential trades, there's a lot of buildup and a lot of interest in that. To me, the proper amount of time to focus on a sport and really get into it is somewhere in that like four-month range. College basketball, November, December, January, February, then the tournament in March. You have five months. The NFL, yes, you can follow all of the, the preseason stuff and all of the draft stuff, but if you really want to get into the season itself – it's September, October, November, December, playoffs in January, Super Bowl in February. That's about how much time right. I have. For baseball, that's August, September, October, little bit in July, right before the trade deadline. And if it goes just into November, that that's my patience level for it. But baseball really, I think people start to open the consciousness of baseball. Not baseball fans, but, but maybe casual sports fans that enjoy baseball but aren't diehard baseball fans. They'll probably tune in after the NBA Finals and maybe start to get a little bit of an appetite for it in June. Then you go to the All-Star break. and then There of course aren't the that trade many deadline. hardcore baseball fans. They're an amazing number of casual baseball fans. I don't know. But I think it depends on where you live. It does depend. Like in baseball markets, no question. it's different. No question. Here it's different because we don't have a, we have a triple A team, but not a right. major league but team. But even Charlotte. if you live in a major league city that is not named New York, Boston, St. Louis. Chicago. Chicago. Like, you know the team is on. The Indians are on. And you might watch 
one out of every three games. So you might watch four or five innings. You might put your kid to bed at 8.30, watch the back end of a game. That's awesome. But if you're a Steelers fan, you watch the Steelers start to finish every Sunday. If you're a Pirates fan, yeah, you're reading the box scores. You're watching a couple innings here and there. You're finding a game or two to attend. It's just a different mentality. But different uh, baseball was born in a time and excelled in a time where you didn't have all this media. You didn't have all you didn't have access to instant information. You poured over box scores in the in the newspaper the next day. Sometimes it would be in the afternoon newspaper back when they had afternoon and, and morning papers. And so baseball's pace doesn't necessarily match up with the pace of society that we're living in now, but some people really like to to have that Two hours, two and a half hours a night. Well, now it's becoming three, three and a half hours of just or a Yankee slow Red it down. Sox, four and a four half, and half hours. hours. Yeah. It's like the Super Bowl. But the other thing is, and you asked me this when we talked on the pilot, and I don't remember if we actually used a lot of um, the, the talk on this, but to bring it back to football, you know, you said point blank, would you let your son play football? And we, I kind of hedged on you a little bit, and, and I still am hedging. I, I don't know. He wants to do it. He's he's eleven. I am concerned about the the, the two things I'm concerned about are. And just watching that game on Sunday, you know, the hit that Brandon Cooks took. Legal hit. That, I thought that was a clean, fair yeah, hit. Yeah, it was. But it knocked him out of the game. Yeah, and who knows what that does to him 30 or 40 or 50 years from now. Or what happens if that happens in practice two or three times. Exactly. I mean, it's – so, you know, and with baseball, you know, you have less – obviously less likely to injury. And and I know there is an element of you can get hurt doing anything. And you have to have – have that in mind, but that's always in, in the in the back of my mind. And, and you and I have talked about this for a couple times on the on the bearded car cast. Is I, I think the biggest threat to football isn't some of the external stuff that we're seeing, but it's it's the health issue. No, no question about it. But if you want a country club sport for John, he's not going to play football, and maybe he's not going to be Derek Jeter. And you want a country club sport, you practically live on a golf course. <laughs> yeah, we're we're in between two golf courses, so maybe that should be the name of the bearded car cast: between two golf courses. Yeah, a- absolutely. So. Golf is one of those sports that as we move towards the summer, right. theoretically you could get into. I'm a big majors guy. I would like to watch all four days wall-to-wall of the four majors, 16 days of golf in the year, and maybe a select day here or day there. But I was not taken aback, but definitely took very close note of the TV ratings a week ago when Tiger Woods came back. That yeah, appears phenomenal. to be a sport that is entirely based on one person. All right, we're going to take a, t- a quick time out here. I want to get into that because I think golf has a very similar relationship with another sport when it comes to that. And we'll talk about that here in the Bearded CarCast. Bearded CarCast at Outlook.com. Use the hashtag Bearded CarCast to get a hold of us. It's the Bearded Carcast from Rock Hill, South Carolina, home of Winthrop University, where the Eagles will host Presbyterian on Wednesday night. Mike and I, with no road games this week, are recording live from the media room at the Cushy Winthrop seats. Coliseum. Yeah, pretty comfortable. Plenty of water and soda. Here. You're not a soda drinker. But. And we're here right. because... It's almost time for practice, and I love going to You're practice, very and I love watching film, and we're preparing for our broadcast tomorrow night. But while we're here, we're talking about basketball, we're talking about football, but there's no— Things that come after the football season ends. Things that come after the football season ends, and one of those things is golf, and Our colleague and friend, Jim Nance, I watched him do golf on Saturday from Phoenix, and they get unbelievable crowds. How many of them are actually watching any golf? I'm not entirely clear on. They're having a very good time out there at the Waste Management Open. But it's on TV, and the TV ratings are either really, really good when Tiger Woods plays, really good for the majors, or not good at all. It's an unbelievable group of young golfers right now. The level of play from top to bottom on the PGA Tour with guys like Justin Thomas and Sergio Garcia finally getting over the top. So he's an older guy. Phil Mickelson is still relevant, but the Dustin Johnsons and the Rory McIlroys and the Jordan Spieths, the level of play, the level of competition is phenomenal. Do you care? I do because I like Rory McIlroy. So if if he's in an event... 
that that makes me perk up a little bit. Like when he comes to the Wells Fargo Championship, when he's playing in that, I, I tend to to follow him. Uh, I like Jordan Spieth too, but there's just still, I mean, Tiger Woods is in that level higher above most golfers. I mean, he's he's up there with Jack Nicklaus and Arnie Palmer, greats of the game. But there's some really good golfers out there, but a lot of people aren't as interested in that. Two weeks ago, did you turn the golf on TV? I did not. Because you weren't interested or you no, were doing other things? No, I was too things? busy. I was, I was kind of covering some football stuff. I was in the middle of our stuff, so I just didn't have the bandwidth. So, so the Winthrop season ends, and the NCAA tournament, obviously that first weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, not a lot of time to watch golf in there. But in the weeks that go by after that, before the Masters starts. The Masters starts the weekend after right. the NCAA tournament. But let's say the weekend of the Final Four. You got a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You got the national semifinals on Saturday. You have the national championship game on Monday. Right. That Sunday, last golf tournament before the Masters. There's not a ton else going on. That might be Opening day for baseball? I think it is. It's possible. It also depends who's playing in that three and three college senior uh, basketball. That's tournament. right. Is that the day that that's going I on? I think it's 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 during the final four. Yeah, and I think it is during that off day. But okay, that's a great example. So there's this new there's tournament. So much going on. Yeah. New tournament going on. It's a three on three deal. Every conference is going to field a team. Is that right? I was unclear as to how they're going to select teams and who's going to select teams. I don't know if it's conference-based. I do know that you can't have teammates. Like, for instance, Anders and, and Xavier Cooks, two Winthrop seniors, they can't be on the same team if, if they were selected. Okay, I thought, and maybe I'm dead wrong. I it could it be conference-based. I could thought be. it was going to be, you know, Ahmed Thomas and Xavier Cooks and uh, whoever else right. is a good senior uh, – in the Big South you, against oh, yeah. three guys from the ACC or what, right. what, whatever it was going to be, and then they were going to bracket it out and play a tournament. If that three-on-three tournament is up against the Sunday of a PGA Tour non-major event, which are you going to watch? I would flip back and forth, but I'd probably, depending on who's in the, the basketball, I'd probably watch the basketball a little bit more. What about if there's, which is an exhibition, I mean, something that doesn't mean anything. What about if there's also... Not while it does for the guys playing. This, like, but it doesn't for you. No, it doesn't. What about if there's an a, a opening day Major League Baseball, two teams you don't care about, it's the Phillies and uh, Marlins, opening day. Now you got three choices. PGA Tournament event, Phillies, Marlins, or the three-on-three basketball tournament. Whew. Well, and and just some of the opening day games. Thursday, March 29th is opening day. So, okay. So uh, so you got Yankees at Blue Jays, Red Sox at Rays, Twins at Orioles, White Sox at Royals. All right, I'm going to serve you up that one. That's the game you're allowed to watch, the Twins and Orioles. Twins and Orioles. You're going to watch the Twins and Orioles, or are you going to watch the three-on-three basketball, or are you going to watch the PGA Tour? I might be in the backyard throwing the ball to my son. <laughs> you know, probably um, – I would probably again. I would. I would kind of watch them all. I like to. I don't. In, in mid when there's a lot going on, I don't tend to focus on one. I mean, in the middle of the summer, sport. yeah, you're gonna regularly have the option, golf tournament or baseball game. Right. If it's not a Red Sox game, you're a Red Sox fan. Right. And I like to watch the White Sox because we're the White Sox. Absolutely. Fans. If it's not one of those teams playing. And you've got your PGA Tour Sunday to determine a tournament, but not not a championship, not a major tournament. It would depend on who's in the finals. Right. It would depend it would, on who's in. So if Tiger Woods is playing, are you watching? Yes. Right. If Rory McIlroy is in, are you watching? Yes. Over the baseball game. Probably. Right. And maybe Jordan Spieth, too. But that's it. Yeah. But so if if Jason Day is playing, and he's a really, 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 really good, golfer. good golfer. Really good golfer. And uh, Zach Johnson is playing. A major champion. Yeah, that, that doesn't really doesn't do it for doesn't you. Doesn't do it for me. And they're good. And they're good golfers. And and those are some of the guys. What about if it's a major? What if it's the PGA? Well, the majors are different. They are. The majors are different. I, I think the majors kind of trump other events. If if especially on especially the the fourth day, the Sunday. Okay, now let me ask you this question. You got the same options. You got your baseball game. You got your PGA Tour event, or there is a big rumor that the <laughs> Patriots are about to make a major signing. Are you watching those things on TV, or are you spending your time on the internet reading about the rumor? Dave, I can don't. My, my wife will laugh when I say this. I can multitask. I can watch. <laughs> I can watch. I can watch a sporting event, and 
follow Twitter. Okay, what if the NFL draft is going on? It's the third day of the NFL draft. I, I'm not as – well, I mean, I still pay attention to the, the, the second and third days, but not as obviously – When you say pay attention, what do you mean? It, a combination of watching it. Uh, Why? I, I always like to see who uh, the Panthers are going to take. Okay, the in the take. sixth round, the Panthers take Joe Smith, tight end but, from Utah. But now you got to, but now you got to factor in real life because last year during the draft, the the, the Saturday of the draft, uh, I believe my son had a baseball game. Right. So I obviously attended my son's baseball game. I just, I, I don't understand the value in watching the NFL draft. When it's over with, you can print out a list or you can look on the internet at a list and then you can read what someone else thinks about the guys. I don't know who any of these players are. I mean, I know who Sam Darnold is. Yeah. I, I, I know who Josh Rosen is. But I don't, I don't know the the tight end from Utah versus the left tackle from Louisiana Monroe. But I, I, I would say I follow the draft like uh, some people might follow a baseball game. Like I'll have it on. Maybe I'm doing two or three other different things, but it's on in the background and I'm paying attention to it. And then, oh, by the way, Panthers are coming up to draft or Patriots are coming up so to draft. So let's say the Patriots come up to draft. It's the sixth round, and they draft a guy you've never heard of, which is the very strong likelihood. Yeah. Then you have a visceral reaction or you go to the bathroom. No. Dave, you missed, the, you missed curtain number three. I Google them. <laughs> and then you read what somebody else says about exactly. them. Exactly. Because chances are I've never heard of them or haven't seen them. Yeah. I'd just rather watch sports than watch non-events like the draft. The draft is incredibly impactful. I just have no way of knowing who's worth anything. But, see, we, we tend to view things differently. Uh, I mean, I agree with everything what you just said, but I wouldn't say I sit there and, like, study and plan the draft the whole – it's more like casual in and out, maybe looking at the internet, maybe doing some other things, going out with Sam, maybe going to, you know. It's not like I'm hunkered down for like three straight days watching the NFL draft. Pushing you, to go with the one. Oh, I just wrecked him. There is one last thing I would like to say, and that is I think for a multitude of reasons, NASCAR is almost the mirror image of golf, except it's probably – five years ahead of it. And what I mean by that is when you moved here to Charlotte, you weren't a, you weren't a NASCAR fan. You're not a NASCAR fan now. But when you were here in 2002, 2003, just by osmosis and just by being around and hearing people talk and, and, and what's being on in the newspapers, you, you kind of had a clue what's going on with NASCAR. But that has – and this is nothing against NASCAR, but that has changed. And this is like the heart of NASCAR. And the casual fan that checked in on NASCAR in the late 90s, early 2000s, They've moved on to other things. That's a great point. If NASCAR is on, um, I'm trying to think of what their big events are. Besides Daytona 500 is coming up in a couple weeks. Right, that's the only one that actually And then, came and then to the chase mind. starts, like, what, in late August, first but week But do of they September. have, I mean, I'll show my ignorance. Okay, we both know the Daytona 500 is this huge kickoff. It's a Super right. Bowl it's type Two event. weeks, they have a couple it's of huge. big events, yeah. And then months later, They've got the chase, which just was invented in the last 10 years, right? right? right. And, and that leads to a culmination in a championship. Yeah. Are there bigger races in between? Well, they go to the Brickyard. That's a pretty big one. Charlotte, the May race in Charlotte is one of the bigger races. Okay, so if that May race is on in Charlotte versus all the other things we just talked about, you watching it, watching a piece of it? The interesting thing Reading about— Reading any of the articles going into or out of it? The— well, it, well, it's going to be interesting because I would say the guy that I I would watch, my Tiger Woods of NASCAR was Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, and it probably would have been Dale Earnhardt, but unfortunately he passed away. And I worked for the Intimidators. He bought the team, but it, it, he bought the team, and then three months later he unfortunately passed away in the in the the accident at, at Daytona. So I never really got to know him. Um, but he I think is kind of like. I don't want to compare, but he was kind of that driving. He was one of the driving forces uh, of the sport, it, at least when I moved here. And, and and Jeff Gordon was kind of big at that time. But Who's the biggest deal right now? It's got to be Jimmy Johnson just because he's like the New York Yankees of, of racing. But he doesn't have – I mean, I think he's well-liked, but it's I, I, he, he doesn't have I, – I don't. And my perception of this is – he doesn't have the, the same type of support that a Dale Earnhardt Jr. has. I think we should talk more about topics we know nothing about. I think that <laughs> makes for a really good discussion. I, th th it's just something that I don't have a background. Let me ask you this question. You're not from the Southeast. You moved down here. You, I think, know a little bit more about NASCAR than I do. What is the rub? 
What makes you, even on the periphery, interested? It's personalities, but I don't think they're driving a car. No, but the the gener- but the the generation before us. I think- I'll show you personalities driving a car. I'll introduce you to Darren Gant. He <laughs> drives from place to place all the time. But n- people that know NASCAR that I'm friends with will tell me that one of the biggest issues is, I think, people have lost touch with their cars. And what I mean by that is, the generation before us, uh, they would work on their cars. And so the guys that were in NASCAR worked on their cars. And it was you, you literally took a car off the assembly line and you, you tinker that, with it. This seems like a problem that's not getting fixed. Well, th- I think the issue is is with technology and everything that's going on and attention spans. And th- I think the generation of kids coming up, their idea is not to go fix their car. Their idea is to go send their car to a mechanic and have them fix it. And I think the relationship between the person and the car and, you know, when 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 you have kind of a... Is NASCAR dying? I think it is. Is it dying? Now, the, now TV is what's keeping it alive. I mean, look at, I don't know, about 10, 15 years ago, Charlotte Motor Speedway had close to 150,000 seats, or around 125. They've taken, quietly, they've taken about, I don't know, 50, 40 to 50,000 seats out. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, huh? The but TV, Fox, Fox, and and NBC are keeping them keeping that. But is bridges. it dying in the same way that baseball is dying? That yeah, ratings are. But down. baseball's not dying, and uh, baseball is where baseball is dying. In my opinion, is in between major league markets. Like Charlotte, when I moved here, people were interested in the Braves. That's kind of waned a little bit, but I mean, I went to a Red Sox game in September. It was the end of the year; they had already clinched. They were playing the eventual world champions in the Astros, and it was a sellout, or close to it. Well, but it's a tiny ballpark in a baseball-crazed city. Well, TV ratings and, and re- well, revenues will tell you that baseball is not a dying sport. I mean, horse racing is a dying sport, right? Boxing is a dying sport, right? But they still exist. Is NASCAR in line with those sports that have their niche audience and are able to sustain themselves? They just aren't what they once were? Or is it more along the lines of golf? No, I think it's the former. I, I think there'll always be a place for NASCAR. I just don't know that NASCAR will ever have the, the heights that it had in, I'd say, 2000, 2001. It seems hard for me to believe how it could have broad appeal when so few people can relate to it. You don't see any of the people, so you're watching vehicles drive in circles. I just don't get it. But they, the old days, people will tell you, is that Fans could go to a track and could touch, feel, and talk to a driver. So the difference between NASCAR and other sports was, you you could have this relationship. They allow like you can get pit passes. You can you can watch. I mean, it's it's a different type of relationship. And I don't know. And again, people that know NASCAR far better than I, uh, kind of the corporatization of it has has hurt the sport too. I mean, it went to be something that was kind of is it a sport? Well, that that's a whole nother podcast. I mean, you just called it a sport. Guys are driving cars. I drove from my house to the Coliseum <laughs> today. I didn't feel like I was participating in an athletic event. I merely hit the gas and drove. A competition would probably be a better. It's yeah. a competition. Yeah. So is a competition sport? Not necessarily. I mean, is is ice skating a sport? You don't know who wins. There's no finish line. You have to go to the East German judge. <laughs> I mean, at least, at least NASCAR. But, but the Russian judge will dock you about six points. At, at least, at least NASCAR, it's clear who wins. It's the person who gets to the finish line. But that's the perennial debate down here, Dave. I mean, obviously, diehard NASCAR people will say, yes, it's a sport. People that maybe didn't grow up in the culture of it are less inclined to call it a sport. I, I just, I mean, I know I've heard the argument a million times I mean, it's about the sports what great page. athletes. They put the races on the sports page. I mean, they put the races in the sports page here. Where I grew up in San Francisco, the next article about NASCAR will be the first one. I bet that's inaccurate. I bet when the race, because they, they do race out close to uh, in Sonoma, they, yeah. uh, the story's done on it. But that's a regional story. That's not. But it's still going to be in the San Francisco Chronicle. Yeah, it, it will. I just. It'll still be on the sports page. I, but I think you're right. I think it's horse racing and boxing. But I feel like 10, 15 years ago, it was like on the verge of being... There were people that were going to say it was going to overtake the NBA right. in popularity. So what happened? Just those personalities? The sport inherently is still the same, no? 
but I, I think, and this is this is again a subtle difference, but I think there's no character, there's no characters that really. Who's the great character in the NFL right now? But that's different. You're Who's the great character in Major League Baseball right now? Major League Baseball. Mike Trout. Uh, 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 if Mike Trout hadn't appeared no, the in the guy, Super Bowl, no, what is it we would know uh, about Harper him? Harper, with uh, yeah, okay, Nationals. Yeah, Bryce Harper. He's Bryce a, Harper. He's a great player. I mean, kind of eccentric, but like, like I, I feel like we. But watch but with baseball, there's but with baseball and football, there's so much tradition in following a team. Um, the NBA kind of is a little bit different because. There is that following of teams, but the way the NBA is marketed, it's marketed toward the players. Yeah, and you, everybody knows LeBron and Steph and James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Yeah. I feel like they do the best job of getting their individual athletes out there and allowing them to kind of have social platforms and right, allowing right. them to wear their own shoes. It's really hard in the NFL and in NASCAR where you're wearing the same outfit as everyone else or you're inside a car. In basketball, everyone can have their own hair and their own tats and their own personality, and they're allowed to talk on a wide range of topics. Like, I feel like I know NBA players. I don't feel like I know NASCAR people. But NASCAR's identity also was tied in with the manufacturers. I mean, you used to be, you were either a Ford family or a Chrysler family or a Chevy family. And now I think, well, Chrysler I don't think is in, in the game anymore. Toyota is. But I don't think there's that brand loyalty in cars anymore. I mean, I know you're a, a, an accurate a Honda yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, but what does that mean? I mean, that's those are empty words. I mean, I like cars that are safe, relatively affordable, and will go forever. I mean, isn't that what everybody wants? Who doesn't want that? Right. I, I just, I, I guess I just don't get NASCAR. I mean, send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. I, I, explain it to me. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get the excitement. I don't get the interest, and I see why it should be dying. I can still see Billy smiling when we finally made it. The Talladega boys raised the whiskey and gold glass. Here's to turn it up or slowing down in cars that go real fast. We were laughing and living, drinking and wishing and thinking as. Dave, another successful bearded car cast. This is our 10th episode. Can you believe it? Number 10. Number 10. Think they'll be an 11? Well, yes, it will be an 11. <laughs> or it'll be XI. Ooh. Well, the Roman numerals in the Super Bowl are getting confusing. Yes. Well, I, I, that's a brings up a good question. At what point do we do we have to go back to uh, like just regular numbers? Uh, let, let's reach that when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure we're going to get to that point, so let, we'll, we'll deal with that one when, when we get there. Oh, anyway, uh, all suggestions are welcome. You can use the hashtag BeardedCarCast. Send us an email, anything you've heard in the previous now 10 episodes or uh, topics you want us to get to in the future, any comments, questions, anecdotes, funny jokes, we'll read them all. That's BeardedCarCast at Outlook.com. Thanks for listening.